step right up and gather around. Tall folks, kindly at the back, please. I am Professor Gruntsplatter, and I'm the curator of this here spookatorium. Through these doors are wonders and horrors, and maybe even a laugh or two. From the dark corners on every street today, all back through recorded time. We'll hear music and tales of the unknown, mysterious, and perhaps even diabolical. That's right, folks. There are strange things beyond this threshold. But if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. So, will you take a chance and come on in? Or will you saddle up to the concession stand and always wonder what you may have missed? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention, and the brave ones, come with me.
sueños del sol es en tu ombligo tu nombre es Marlene vertidos a mis sombras maledito lo que ven todo es olvidado pero tu nombre es Marlene no quiero saber no lo quiero saber en un cuarto blanco contigo Marlene Mi souvenir es tu nombre Y tu nombre es Marlene Mi souvenir tu nombre Y tu nombre es Marlene Negros son los tóxicos Y blancos son mis venas El sol es en tu ombligo Tu nombre es Marlene Perdidos son mis sombras Maledito lo que ven todo es olvidado, pero tu nombre es Marlene No quiero saber, no lo quiero saber En un cuarto blanco, solo contigo Malenche, ubriete Mi souvenir es tu nombre Y tu nombre es Marlenche, ubriete Welcome, this is your host, Professor Grunsplatter, and you are listening to episode 22 of Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. Opening the show today was Chaos as Shelter with Firebird Dance, uh, following that was Weird with Autumn, and the last track you heard was Novi Svet with Marlene. Since the last episode on the website, I've had a couple of stories, uh, the coolest of which I think was reports out of General Gomez, Argentina, uh, that their town is being visited by a mysterious gnome-like creature, person, entity. Um, a group of youths were hanging out uh, late at night, chatting and doing youth-like things, and one of them was filming their conversation with his cell phone camera when they heard an odd noise. Uh, they looked to the direction of the noise only to see a small person in a pointy hat do a sidestepping walk out of the weeds along the side of the road, at which point they all shriek and the video cuts out. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be terribly hard to fake something like this, but it is, it's... Uh, it's a pretty cool piece of footage, whether it's true or not. Um, it makes it makes for an interesting story, and I'm sure it's going to uh, feed 
local legends for some time in the area. Um, apparently, the, the person that shot the video is quoted as saying that, uh, quote, one of my friends was so scared after seeing that thing that we had to take him to the hospital. So uh, I don't know whether this is true or not. I haven't seen any follow-up stories on it yet, although I'm going to keep an eye out for them. But there's, uh, there's a photo on the, on the website at spookatorium.org, uh, and there's also a link to the cell phone video uh, and this story was reported by The Sun out of the UK, which is not exactly a pillar of journalism, but um, damn amusing story. So have a look at that. And the other one that's up there, the mayor of Centerton, Arkansas, uh, had been the mayor for the previous six years, uh, resigned on March 5th. Reason for resigning is that he believes 30 years ago he was abducted and brainwashed by Satanists. Uh, he claims he was not aware of his past until recently when he was injected with a truth serum. Uh, the truth serum is unnamed and there's no explanation as to how he came to be injected with it. Um, but once this allegedly happened, these memories came flooding back and he claims he realized that he left a wife and kids behind uh, in a previous life when he was known as Don LaRose currently as the mayor he's known as Ken Williams and he left them to protect them from the Satanists changed his name and started a new life this is one report another report that I found uh, from religion news blog goes into a little bit more backstory he claims that back in 1975 in New York, he was abducted by a cult for blaspheming Satan. They gave him multiple shock treatments to erase his memory and then took him from uh, Maine of Maine, New York, town, Maine, New York, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and dumped him off. Uh, he revealed all of this to uh, his parishioners at a church that he was, the Baptist church that he was a per, uh, pastor for in 1978. So, uh, apparently in 1980, he began acting strangely and, and telling people the Satanists were after him again uh, for criticizing cults, and at one point he claimed to see one of the Satanists through the window of the church while he was delivering a sermon at, this, uh, at the Hessville Baptist Church where he was the pastor. Nobody else present at the sermon saw anyone suspicious. Um, after he reported seeing this the next day, he disappeared. Uh, apparently he floated around for a few years before settling in Arkansas and ultimately wound up you know, being elected multiple times as their mayor under this new identity of Ken Williams, an identity that he stole from somebody who died in 1958. Um, now he's claiming, as this story has sort of sat out in the open for a little while, that it, it wasn't actually Satanists, it was an underworld crime organization and supposedly that he lived in fear of being found out um, and now that he's sort of confessed to who he is he feels he may be in danger again um, all of that would suggest that he didn't need the truth serum to remember any of this and apparently he had been running a website regarding the disappearance of this Don LaRose character uh, for a few years who was in fact himself he resigned saying he was 
uh, abducted and brainwashed by Satanists, and then as it comes out, maybe he wasn't abducted by Satanists, maybe it was an underworld crime organization. Uh, he'd had no recollection of it except for the fact that he'd been running a website uh, regarding the disappearance of his of himself. Um, apparently the, the grandson of this guy uh, isn't buying it, and I can't say that I am either. This... Uh, so there's some links to that story, uh, as well as a couple of links to information regarding the, the Satanic Panic Scare, which would have been um, coming into its own right about the time he took off and changed his name. Um, so have a look at that if you are interested in the Satanic Panic thing. Watch your head as you enter the Spookatorium attic ghosts and goblins play, and the paranormal presses its face against the window of our world. This story covers something that I've wondered about since I was a kid. Uh, A friend used to, and, and he may still have, reoccurring dreams that had no visual element to them, simply blackness and a slowly growing grinding or buzzing sound that would build from soft to a near intolerable volume until it would bolt him awake. He'd fight to wake up against it for some time and not be able to until he would eventually break through and and wake up. It was frightening and it was always curious to me hearing about it because I'd never experienced anything like it. Being that it was recurring and so unsettling to him, the stories always stuck with me. Their simplicity and, and profound power were intriguing, and I have, over the course of 25 years or so, wondered about it quite a bit. Uh, probably even more than he has, I don't know. And so I was pretty excited when I found this, and again, I'm going to have to reference uh, the collection Dark Lore Volume 1 that I mentioned in the last episode from Daily Grail press. Um, I didn't really intend to tip my hat to that book so often, but uh, here we are. Um, The book features an essay called Her Sweet Murmur by Greg Taylor, who happens to be the guy that runs Daily Grail and who put this book together. And the premise of the article is that it covers a few types of sounds um, that are associated with sort of transcendent experiences. Um, And the sounds sort of break down into buzzing and grinding sounds, bells or chimes, uh, thunder and wind, and and choral types of sounds. I'm going to limit this uh, just to the grinding sounds, but the, the, uh, the full article is definitely worth reading, and the article is available as a PDF on the book's website, which I'm going to link to the show notes so that everybody can check it out if they want to. This swelling grind and buzz surfaces in reports of near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. And while hearing these types of things has become somewhat common in in modern reports of those types of experiences, it's also documented in historical references as well. The Tibetan Book of the Dead states that as the soul separates from the body, a roaring, thundering, and whistling sounds are likely to be heard. There's a similar reference in a Greco-Egyptian document on the matter of attempting to secure immortality or reincarnation by the dying, uh, that hearing something along these lines would precede your appearance at the gates of the afterlife. Uh, 
in addition to these types of experiences, the same sonics have surfaced repeatedly in reports of shamanic rituals, uh, particularly those involving psychotropic substances like psilocybin, mushrooms, uh, DMT, and ayahuasca. Uh, religious visions have also catalog sounds that built to a roar and buzzing sounds were reported around the Fatima apparitions of the Virgin Mary. Uh, in addition, it's detailed in the Eastern traditions. Um, you know, one source saying that it's the sound of the Kundalini, which is the body's physical energy, and it's represented by a coiled snake. I'm sure you've probably seen that before. Um, it's referenced in yoga texts. Uh, also interesting is the association the sounds have with the old hag syndrome, which also includes elements of sleep paralysis and, and the dread that would go along with these dreams that he was having. And they call it the old hag syndrome because of the old belief that the inability to move that sleep paralysis and the weight that you would often feel on your chest was that of an old hag or a witch riding on the person's chest. Uh, medically speaking, the sounds have been recounted by those with temporal lobe epilepsy before the onset of a seizure. So the article goes into far more detail than I have simply for the sake of, I don't want to prattle on too long here, but it seems evident that there's a tie to altered states of consciousness and these sounds, whether it be a traumatic event uh, where you would have a near-death experience, meditation, uh, you know, a chemical alteration, and something natural like sleep or, or medical like epilepsy, these sounds all run through and it's the timelessness of the records and the cross-cultural reports would seem to suggest that the presence of these types of sounds are, are archetypal signals of a disconnect with our concrete reality and an interact, interaction with something separate from, from the mundane. And this universal presence led me to wonder how such a thing might apply to the experimental noise scene, which I have been a part of for a long time. Uh, the music out there, including my own, could very easily be described within this framework, and particularly by those without the frame of reference that those of us who are immersed in it have. So, and, and for myself, the greatest asset of experimental music is that it is malleable and it invigorates the imagination to go in a thousand directions, depending on your, your frame of mind. The same piece can become different things with each listen, not at all unlike the purpose of a shamanic journey, deep meditation, or an astral projection might. So I, I've found this really fascinating that, uh, you know, I've looked off and on for what I can find out about this, but it's difficult to, to do a search for, for sort of a, a sound um, and find anything on it. And there, there's so much uh, out there on, on near-death and out-of-body experience and all of that that it takes a lot of digging to kind of find what you're after. So I really appreciated this article and uh, I found it really interesting and just thinking about how it may apply to why experimental music is uh, appealing to some people where other people would find it horrendous. Uh, I thought that was an interesting sort of side thing to ponder as well. So there you have it, the sound of the soul leaving the body.
talisman. Moth Mask with Wisdom on the Moth's Wing. Before that, New Mind with a track called Individual Will. Um, preceding that was Body Choke with a track called From Hell. And opening the setup was Sistranatus with uh, the third track from a self-titled release by them. Now it seems as good a time as any to say if you hear one of your tracks on the show and you don't want your track on the show... Let me know. I will remove it. Um, you can get in touch at professor at spookatorium.org. Uh, be sure to check out the website at spookatorium.org for additional news stories and links to various other things like the Flickr group. Hopefully you will excuse my somewhat croaky voice this time as I'm kind of ill uh, or trying not to be. If you have any stories of your own that you would care to submit, uh, please forward them along again to the professor at spookatorium.org address. Um, And also, we will have the announcement of the winner for the Blood of the Black Owl CD uh, coming up at the end of the show. Mind your fingers and toes as we step to the carousel of cryptids and creeping things that lurk in the shadows of history and along the back roads that stitch your neighborhoods together. Frog. Frog in the river. Frog. Frog. Don't eat me for dinner. Children, listen up and know your role. 
don't go down to the old swirl hole. Because if you do, he'll get you. He lives at the bottom, where it's nice and muddy. Don't jump in, because he's not your buddy. He's waiting for a fool like you. And if he gets you, you'll be through. That is an alleged campfire song from uh, the area of Loveland, Ohio. Although uh, its source is sort of dubious, so it may be a joke. Um, Accounts vary beginning in 1952 or 1955, but the earliest recorded sighting of the creature that came to be known as the Loveland Frog is popularly accepted as uh, the spring of 1955. A businessman was traveling a country road near Loveland, Ohio, when, depending on the version you hear, he either saw a group of three to four bipedal frog creatures squatting under a bridge or, uh, one story goes, walking down the side of the road, described as approximately three feet tall with excessively wrinkled heads rather than hair. They moved on two legs. One was even described as carrying a wand-like device that was used to shoot sparks. In late summer of 1955, a Mrs. Darwin Johnson claims that while swimming in the Ohio River, something beneath the surface grabbed her by the leg and attempted to pull her under the water. She struggled and freed herself, and when she reached the shore, she was said to have had scratch marks and a green palm print on her knee. It's not until 1972 that the next report surfaces. A police officer on patrol is said to have witnessed a creature described as approximately three to four feet tall and somewhere between 50 to 70 pounds with uh, leathery skin, uh, wet matted hair, possibly with a tail, and a head like a frog or a lizard. The creature is said to have leapt over a guardrail and into the Little Miami River. Two weeks later, another police officer stopped after spotting what he believed was a roadkill. He got out of the car, intending to move the carcass to the shoulder when it moved to a crouched position and then walked to the side of the road and stepped over the guardrail, keeping its gaze on the officer as it moved. The creature was described similarly as what the previous officer had stated. This officer supposedly fired a shot at the creature, but missed. Since then, there have been no further reports of the frog beast in the area. The general consensus from those considered experts in this is that it either never happened at all or it was a hoax of some kind. And uh, the Loveland Frog does not even have an entry in uh, Lauren Coleman's uh, Cryptozoology A to Z, um, which actually surprised me. Uh, X-Project Magazine believes that they tracked down one of the police officers involved in the 1972 sighting. Uh, He's retired now. His name is Mark Matthews. And he discredits the story involving himself and and the other Ohio police officers as an exaggeration. Though he admitted he did see something, Matthews believes that it was some sort of pet lizard that had gotten too big for the owner to keep and was released into the wild. He admits he did fire a shot and believes that he hit it, but the creature escaped. No official report was filed. Maybe things were different in 1972, but I would think that if an officer discharged their weapon, a report would need to be filed, and if something was shot, you would want to track it and at least confirm what it was. Um, Matthew's story doesn't address the sightings in the 50s, however, so 
Um, while it may shed some light on what was seen in 1972, there's nothing further regarding the sightings in 1955. Uh, this is one of my favorite crypto creature legends, and I'd love to believe there was something to it, but the scarcity of the sightings would seem to suggest that if it ever did exist, there's a good chance that the Loveland Frog has since passed on. I hear you calling me by 
was a dreadful curse He was no longer fit to drive his hearse He took to drink then started up afresh And learned to slaughter horses for their flesh Opla! And if you saw him sitting in his kitchen With the headless horse's tails that still were twitching And if you asked him what he charged per ounce He'd throw a fit and scream and yell Hounds, Tullio! He made a really bad impression He was obliged to give up that profession And he became at last the silly fool A porter in a bodybuilding school Opla. And there he learned to lead a life monastic Amongst the implements of high gymnastic Until one night he fell down roaring drunk Next to the wooden horse and other junk Oopla When midnight struck he started realizing Each single hair upon his head was rising And suddenly he saw this made him quail A handsome horse quite without head or tail Oopla And very soon the phantom nags proportion Had undergone a curious distortion It grew gigantic, fabulous and fat Until it stopped quite suddenly Like that Oopla And then for lack of proper horses dropping Squirted sawdust at him without stopping And shouted, Daddy, who can torture beasts? Get with it and jump over me at least Oop la and so he jumped across the wooden charger And as he jumped, his jumps grew larger and larger He fell and jumped and jumped and fell in tears It seemed that he was doing it for years when morning broke, the time came to release him. The phantom horse at last broke down beneath him. He woke and swore he'd stop this nightly boozing. 
finger but found While sweat from every pore was oozing That on his chin so carefully shaved Of coarse hair there sprouted An enormous beard of horse hair. Cold with Svart Heligdom. Uh, before that was Agnes Burnell with The Horse. And opening the setup was Backworld with Heaven's Gate.
we find ourselves in the Spookatorium Portraiture Gallery, home to all manner of askew personality and the eccentric characters of history. Listen close as we delve into their stories. In the early 18th century, Johann Berenger was the chief physician to the Prince Bishop of Würzburg and the Duke of Franconia, in addition to being a professor of medicine at the University of Würzburg. Beyond his career in medicine, he developed a keen interest in fossils, which had recently begun to surface in the scientific community. The origins of fossils weren't yet known, uh, but Berenger described to one of the theories of the day that the earth was only a few thousand years old and that the fossils were evidence of creatures that were either killed in the biblical flood or more spectacularly they were cast off ideas carved by the hand of god remnants of his creation sketchbook if you will uh, two university colleagues with a disdain for Beringer's profound arrogance on the subject devised a scheme meant to embarrass and humble him J. Ignatz Roderick a professor of geography and mathematics and Johann von Eckert a librarian began carving fantastical creatures and scenes out of limestone and planting them in the areas where Beringer was known to search for fossils. Uh, the items included spiders on webs, insect-like creatures, and as he continued to accept these, these strange things that he was finding, their carvings became more bizarre and they began to include things like birds with fish heads and, and various other um, evolutionary impossibilities. Uh, the hoaxers even went so far as to create stones with the name of God carved in them in ancient languages. Berenger accepted it all as fact, and when the skeptics even drew attention to the chisel marks on some of the items when questioning their authenticity, he felt it only bolstered his theory that they had come from the hand of God. He published his work explaining and illustrating his remarkable discoveries in great detail in 1726, under the name Lithographia Wurzburgensis, um, a copy of which is, is viewable on the web, um, and I will link to it in the show notes. Shortly after the book was published, Berenger allegedly found a stone that bore his own name. At that point, an inquiry was launched and the hoax was revealed, though even then, Berenger was hesitant to accept that he'd been fooled. Uh, he ultimately sued his hoaxers and, humiliated and ruined, it is suggested he spent his remaining days spending all his money trying to buy back the copies of his book that were in circulation. He died in 1740, and his work and his story has since been published again under variations of the banner, The Lying Stones of Dr. Berenger. Uh, some of these stones still exist and are on display at Oxford. Um, I also found a short little documentary on the case, and, and I will put that in the notes as well.
Opening that setup was Grave Wisdom from Skinny Puppy. Following that was Brutal Truth with a track called Wilt. And the last track you heard there was The Mystery of the Seven Stars from Call. Uh, playing underneath me today in the first part of the show was Burzum with Tom Het. And underneath me now is Nocturnal Emissions with Ant Thumbs. Uh, we had a drawing last week. Uh, to win a copy of Blood of the Black Owl self-titled release on Vine Rune Recordings. Um, all you had to do was email me uh, one of your which of the cover songs from the cover song episode was your favorite. Um, there was only one submission. So, the winner of the Blood of the Black Owl CD is uh, a chap named Aspen, and I will get that out to him very soon. Get in touch with uh, the show at professor at spookatorium.org be sure to check out the website at spookatorium.org and that is going to do it for this week the last track you're going to hear is from Nephilim this is the last rites mix of Exodus (laughs) 